Side one is calm, non-abusive, although highly fragmented. Side two is schizophrenic. Welcome to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. I'm Steve Pander. I'm Gideon Hill. And I'm Joe DC. And I'm Michael McCall. Luckily, we have you on from Portland then. Uh, Michael, uh, how does it go there? What's the mood like there among the hippies and the ne'er-do-wells? It's been interesting. The, the guy in the room above us has just flooded his bath, which was coming through our ceiling up until about 10 minutes ago. Oh, that's interesting. That'll be a fun night. Yeah, it's been a fun day all round, really. <laughs> well, uh, if you're listening and you're obviously a Whitecaps fan, you know that the Whitecaps uh, are not the top seed now in the West, uh, dropping a 2-1 result to Portland. Uh, disappointing, but of course, uh, this will probably be the theme of the show. And maybe even the theme of going forward in the playoffs, they should have taken care of it against San Jose. Michael, your thoughts on overall on the game and how it went for you there? I have to admit, I wasn't expecting that much from the game. I did expect them to lose, but they put up a better showing than I thought was going to happen. When Kendall Waston put them ahead, yet you allowed some hopes that they were going to do it, but then just sloppy defensive play, let Portland back into it, let Portland take the lead. Portland really should have won that by more than one goal. Yeah, uh, you guys, uh, Joe, obviously uh, Michael's talking about that first goal. A, a sloppy defensive play, but really poor work on Marinovic's part, not catching that ball or at least paring it away a little bit harder so it clears the box. Yeah, I think from a decision, decision-making decision point of view for Marinovic there, I think he tried to do two things in one go. He tried to save the shot and prevent a corner, like kind of overplaying it a little bit. Um, so he tried to like palm it away and also not put it behind the behind the goal line. So in doing that, to be fair to Liam Ridgewell, it was a pretty good reaction. He should have been covered by, by Harvey, although Harvey's getting roasted a little bit too much. I think, you know, I don't, I don't think Harvey was expecting Marinovic to do that either. Brendan, what did you see on that first goal? Yeah, you know, it's a tough one for me because, you know, Ridgewell is a left-footer. Obviously, Harvey, you're not thinking about his left-footedness either way uh, when the ball comes in. But for me, the coverage on Nagby was very poor because we know that Nagby has a good shot. We saw it earlier this year in Portland. He scored a immaculate goal from outside the box. Has to be one of the goals of the year in MLS this year for me. But, again, the coverage has to be better on Nagby. Murnovich, again, has to do better. 
has to either grab that ball or parry it away over instead of side for me. But anyways, it was just a t- good shot from Nagby. Full credit to Portland for the opening goal. Now, obviously, Marinovic was... Uh, I don't know if he was a surprise, but he was definitely... Um, uh, the, I, everybody thought, oh, who's going to play in net? He was one of the guys. Michael, the lineup uh, was brought out. It wasn't what everybody was expecting, um, uh, especially up top. Uh, Montero uh, missed the game due to a knock. Um, they said Thursday it might have been happened. Uh, what did you think of the lineup, and were there any major surprises other than Montero? I, I think Bini was the big shock. Montero took a bad kick to the calf. I didn't see who did it, but it did happen at training on on Thursday. He took a kick to the back of the calf. He was down on the ground for maybe four or five minutes. Eventually had to get helped off the field. He couldn't walk off under his own steam. After that happened, Robbo put a team out very similar to today, but he had to share it in that team and not Abini. So I thought that was a little bit of a surprise, just putting Abini in there. Doesn't make any sense to me at all that you would drop to share for this one. Do you think? Do you think they dropped Teixeira? Um, this is obviously what you guess. Do you think they dropped Teixeira because they he had an idea that they wanted to save him because they, there's a chance they would lose? Like Robbo was being a little bit realistic in in that. I, I don't think Robbo. I know he's not going to yeah. play for yeah. the loss, but you know you have that kind of and you and you you can kind of say, oh, you know, Bolanius is is you know a top player. He can take that spot, but. I have a feeling he tried to save him for the the knockout round. I think that the only real questions left for as a, for this team going into the playoffs are those winger positions, maybe left back as well. But I I don't think I think Robbo was expecting more from the players that he put in those wide positions. And like retrospectively looking back, we think we know that Tshera would have been a better option. But I think Robbo he expected a bit more from from Brekshay and from Christian Bolanos, who was really disappointing. I thought. Yeah, I'm just going to say that it's a little bit surprising for me putting Bola back in there after Chichir didn't have the best of games last weekend, matched up against Salinas, who was a left back in that game, normally a wide, uh, wide right midfielder. So I think it was tough to put Tichera, I should say Bolaños, back in for Tichera. Tichera is going to be feel hard done by, maybe put a little fire under his belly to try and uh, get a better performance in the playoffs going forward. But again, Bolaños hasn't been in a while, a little bit of a question mark for me why he was put in for this game. But I mean, he didn't have a terrible game, but again, not one of his best. Yeah, I felt like he disappeared. I think a lot of those guys, attackers up front, disappeared. Obviously, well, let's get back to the goals. Obviously, the, the, like Michael said before, the, that first goal, Portland kind of had the run of play. It was kind of even, though. Uh, it was more like a feeling out process in that first 30 minutes. But the Whitecaps came out in front, Waston with another header. Uh, Gideon, you were talking about before, it's his first away goal, uh, which was surprising. I thought he'd scored before on the on the road, but I guess not. But that was a great, great service by Reina. And Watson was free. Like, you don't expect him to be that free considering his reputation. There was a, a little bit of movement at the around the penalty spot that freed up Watson. I think it was... I forget, who, I forget who was with him. There was a group of three Whitecaps yeah. players. They crossed around each other, and Watson was able to get freed up because of that. Um, but it was a very, very intelligent. Like, set pieces, we've kind of dropped off a little bit in the last little while. But if we're going to be successful for these road games in the playoffs, set pieces are where, the, where we're going to get goals. Yeah, as Joe was saying, Bola pulled back uh, Luis Mabiello, the center back of Portland, that allowed Waston to get free on that goal off the free kick. From what I saw in the replay a couple times I watched, and Mabiello was clearly pulled back. Referee didn't see it, and that's where Waston got the goal. Yeah, Michael, you were you were uh, complaining about your tweets not being on the MLS timeline, and then that goal happened, and obviously that tweet wasn't going to be on because you 
clearly use some profanity in that tweet. Um, uh, turning Waston into like uh, Montero, uh, your Montero calls. Um, obviously, at that point, you were everybody was feeling good. It was going to be hard. It was hard pressed to think that they were going to hold on for a win. But you think, okay, they got the goal. Maybe they can hold on for a tie. But two minutes later, it all turned turned to crap. With that, that, that what was your? How, how, what was the roller coaster like in the stadium uh, going from the, going one up and then all of a sudden giving up the goal? I have to admit, when Boston's goal went in, I did let out a big cheer in the press box. It was just a, an automatic thing. It just came out of me. And then that joy didn't last long at all. I, I, slight joy in that you then sent me a message that Clint Dempsey had been sent off. So I was thinking, what an afternoon this is. And then once Portland got back into it, you felt the Whitecaps had to hang on to half time. They had to take in a one goal lead, and I think they could possibly have got the job done. But then, as soon as that goal went in, and there were some cheers from the Portland uh, media in the press box as well when that goal went in, but it just it gave another lift to the stadium. The noise level just seemed to ratchet up a couple more steps as well, and the crowd really got into it. And then after that, the Whitecaps defense were just like running all over the place like headless chickens at times. Yeah, it was it, it was a rough. It, they were lucky, I think, to hold on to that um, that that kind of draw into the into the half. Blanco had a perfect chance off that uh, counterattack when the Whitecaps had that corner, and it looked like he was going to put it away, but he sailed that over the net. Um, what were your guys' thoughts going into that halftime? Lucky to be at one-one. Portland were really exploiting uh, Norwinsky's side. Like the, we'll get onto the second goal later, but that they were really looking for to exploit that side. Um, I think for two reasons. Number one, they they probably knew that the Whitecaps were trying to protect the side with with Powell, so they probably thought the other side would have been a little bit more open. And of course, this is Norinsky's first professional year, so there'll be some experience there. He's been so good all season, but this was probably one kind of a, a shaky game. But Blanco's finishing was not non-existent. Yeah, he had a couple of good chances. I will say this: How often do you see a team like Portland tear apart the Whitecaps on the counterattack? I, I've honestly, I've never seen a team like Portland be so confident against Vancouver on the counterattack. Like, there's many teams in the league that can do that, but just against Vancouver, they just play great soccer on the counterattack, and the Whitecaps can play that too, as they did a, a little bit today. But you have to think that Portland are one of the better teams uh, at counterattacking against the Whitecaps in this league. Yeah, and then, uh, then obviously going into the second half, uh, everybody was just like, okay, let's. You know, everybody's always like the first five minutes and last five minutes of a half. It didn't go well in that first five minutes for the Vancouver. Um, just Portland seemed to be just like want to be able to go anywhere they wanted to around that box. It, it was like uh, Vancouver, there were players there, but Portland was able to just walk around everybody. And then it was, uh, I remember uh, Michael again going back to his tweets, he was like, at least it wasn't. Uh, Maddox that scored that original goal, <laughs> but then uh, who scored the goal? The winning eventually won the goal was Darren Maddox. Michael, your thoughts and how low were you at that point? I was in a foul mood by that point, and as soon as that second goal went in, I, I saw no way that the team were, were going to get back into it. I mean, Gideon talked about the counter attack of Portland. It was fantastic. We're breaking with at least three men, sometimes four men, and you just didn't see any way back into it. Vancouver by that point and you, you still had a whole half to go so I, I was quite low by that point I think it's fair to say um, the miscommunication on that goal was particularly disappointing I think um, 
I think Norwinski was trying to leave the ball for Marinovic or something like that. The the through ball was a very intelligent through ball for that goal. Um, some people on Twitter were saying that Marinovic was pretty slow off his line. I, I don't really think so. He was trying to close down the angle. But I, I think uh, Michael had another uh, foul mouthed tweet about uh, the two <laughs> the two players being on the line and it it's squeezing into them. Kind of a classic Maddox move, you know. You have an open, you have a goal with two players who and can't use their hands, and you hit it between them, like where they're set, <laughs> where they're where they're both standing. Exactly, it, it was the w- absolutely the worst place that you could have put it at that point. I think Parker almost got to it, but he had to do like a, a hacky sack flick with, yeah. the, with, the, with his right foot to try and block it. But yeah, an ugly goal. But I think it was it was avoidable if Norwinsky was tighter to his centre backs. Like they were playing when you're when you're in that position, you have to be very narrow to prevent a true ball exactly like that. But credit to Portland, they they worked that very well. I think Gazal didn't pick up Maddox as well. He kind of let him let him go a little bit. Um but, uh, he was probably also expecting the goalkeeper to get the ball. Well, yeah, with the two sorry, with the two Whitecaps defenders that were in on the goal line to stop that shot that allowed Maddox to be open because they knew that once Marinovic came out to try and get the ball that they would have to push back and that left Maddox wide open. But again, great great move there from Blanco, found it through to Vitas again. It seemed like Marinovic waited a bit too late again for any goalie to come out and, and get that ball it's it's kind of a kind of a 50 50 for me but again just great ball through to Vitas and Vitas with a nice pass to Maddox and that's and, where we find it 2-1 and you don't expect uh like Marinovic went down people will probably call him out on that but you don't expect a fullback to lay it back you expect him to just no. take a shot right off yeah. the bat and I think he made the right move it's just disappointing that Maddox was left so free in the net. Maybe they were thinking, you know, leave Maddox free and then he'll miss the net. Well, Vitas is a quality player. He he's really impressed for Portland this year. Yeah. Very very mobile, and he he's obviously a he can he can pick a pass. We've we've seen it today. Um, it was a good decision to make because Marinovic did everything right to stop the shot. You know, he made himself big, spread his legs, got low. Um, there was no way Vitas was going to score. So, like, are we going to credit Maddox for being in the right place at the right time or? We've seen enough of Maddox to know that, like he's capable of scoring some goals, right? I'm glad we're saying Vitas because there's no way I could pronounce his last name. So, yeah. <laughs> that's what's on his jersey too. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank uh-huh. God. Um, the uh, the second half, uh, Robo. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to criticize him for a lot of things, and another thing they're going to criticize him for are the late substitutions. Um, did he leave it late, or did he just? was it just the way he works all the time like I felt like the Nosa one especially I thought Nosa should have been brought off uh, earlier because of the fact that I and it's probably the same thing like a couple a few weeks ago when he wanted to bring off Gazal but he was enjoying how well he was playing he didn't bring off Nosa Nosa went down with a cramp and he had he was forced to take him off at that point did he leave the substitutions too late or do you feel he made the right calls at the right time I think for the Ibini substitution <laughs> I think the like these things t- tend to usually be like, okay, on the hour mark, I'll take you off. But Ibini got dragged off on the 56th minute because minute, he didn't, I don't think he contributed much at all. Like, he, he won a couple of fouls, but um, there was no presence up top. I would have preferred Eric Hurtado there, personally. Um, in the right wing position? No, in uh, Ibini was playing up top, wasn't he, for most of the game? Oh, he and Reyna were switching, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Michael, your thoughts on the substitutions? Yeah, I mean, Brendan Freddy on when he did, I thought that was good. I, I still, like, I mean, Blanius, for me, was just a, a complete waste out there. So, I mean, that, that made sense as well. Noza had to come off, I guess. I just can't believe that Shea finished that match because he just, like, you talk about Ibini contributing nothing. Neither did Shea. It's just that there was just nothing there from the two of them. And you you just need a, a, a little bit more than that. 
And I'm not just ragging on Shay because he refused to to talk to me this week about chocolate digesters, <laughs> but it is because I, I do feel. Is he the best player we have in that position right now? Like Tachera, we I think we all agree that Tachera should have been playing a bit more. Um, well, in this game in particular, but is Shea going forward the best option we have at, in that left wing if, if Tachera is to be on the other wing? Well, I think based on the fact that Robbo really wants and they have to take advantage of set pieces and he likes the size out there. And he's mentioned size before that he likes having size up at least on one of the wings mm-hmm. because of the fact that Reina is so small at the, at the attacking. I think Shea might be the guy that goes forward. Uh, opposite to Shara. It's not going to be great, but I think that's going to happen. Sorry, I was going to say, then what? why, if they need size in one wing, then why not put Davies in for a little bit? I mean, this game... Davies doesn't have the, the wherewithal to play in the box, I think, the way Shea does, even though I don't see him. Because <laughs> yeah. late in the game, when Wast, when they threw that um, injury time, when they threw that uh, ball into the box and, and Waston squared it, Ridgewell was the only one there. There was no other white caps yeah. even in the six-yard area that could have banged it in at mm. that point. So it's kind of disappointing there. Now, uh, we obviously talked about Robbo and his substitutions. Uh, Michael had a chance to speak to him, and, and, and we'll hear from Kayla Porter first and their thoughts after the match. It's going down. It's going down. I'm yelling, Timber, you better move. You better move. You better dance. Giggity. Let's make a night. You won't remember. I'll be the one. I'll be the one. You won't forget. 34 games uh, is a long, long season, you know, and uh, for us to be after 34 games, um, nine and a half months at the top of the West, says everything about the group that I have in that locker room, the quality they have. Um, we did it with different guys as well, um, but we earned it and we deserved it. We started out of the gate strong. We were top of the league, I think, for the first two months. Then we went through a lull because we had a bunch of injuries, and that's when we needed to go to the bench. Um, and those guys stepped up. The bench stepped up. They got the job done. We got enough points to hang in. And then at the end, when we got you know healthy or healthier, we're still not 100% healthy, but uh, our form in, in playing the football the way that, that we want to play came back. And you, you see it. You know, at home, the last six games, I think we were six and zero, and. In every one of those games, we played, um, you know, with a really attack-oriented style and, and had the ball and pressed and, you know, created very good goals. And that's the way we want to play. And, and when we do that, um, we're a tough team to beat. But I'm real proud of the guys after 34 games to uh, earn uh, the number one seed. Doesn't ensure anything. Um, but after 34 games, that's a, that's a real good accomplishment. That's the first season. That's done. Now the second season's up, and we got five games to win a cup. We're going to take them one at a time, and you'll see just as hungry a group. Trust me. You guys are now 8-3-2 and two over the course of your last 13, going back to July and back to that 2-1 win at Vancouver. Uh, there's not been a lot of talk uh, about you guys uh, around sort of the, on, on the national level. Do you think it's time that people wake up uh, to, to what your team's been doing and, and to what they've been doing now over the course of the last few months? I don't care. I don't care if people talk about us. I don't. I really don't care. I, mean, I might have cared my first year. I really, you know, do my job. Uh, I, I care about my guys. I, I, I don't. I don't sometimes know how people don't see some of the things I'm seeing, but it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I see it. They see it. And uh, 
we'll just keep going about our business. You know, we don't care if, you know, websites talk about us or rate us. And, you know, we're a good team. We know that. We've proved that over 34 games. And we've proved that with a lot of different guys in the lineup. And, and I think we're playing some of the best, best football I see in this league, you know, all around, you know, in terms of how we play the game and some of the little combinations that we create in the passing sequences. But, you know, ultimately it doesn't matter. You know, we know also after 34 games no one – you know, 10 years from now remembers who was first in the West, you know, so we get that. Um, but, I, but I do want to acknowledge that accomplishment because that's, that's, that's quite an accomplishment, you know, to, to be the team standing at the end of a tough 34-game season. But uh, we'll be defined on the next five games, starting with the first game and the second game the series. Uh, Caleb, uh, aside from the starting 11, is there anything that Vancouver did today that surprised you? Or was it pretty much par for the course from them? Well, I think the way they played was par for the course. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I respect about Vancouver and, and Carl is uh, he gets his guys doing certain things, and they do it well. And it's, you know, it's three things, and we worked on them all week, and that's the counterattack, that's, um, you know, crosses and set pieces. And then they're a tough team to break down, you know, and... Our preparation was 80% on how we can break them down, and it wasn't easy. But, you know, we found one goal from the run of play and one goal that we manufactured off a set piece. Um, but we knew that would be important. The other things were going to be stopping the counter, uh, which I thought we were excellent. I didn't think they had very many counterattacks. Uh, stopping crosses, which I thought we dealt with well, especially late. And then stopping set pieces, which we failed on in the one moment. Uh, other than that, I thought we... The game was similar to what we thought it would be. I thought we executed uh, very well. Um, and I thought, honestly, a little bit more luck up from their end at the end, and they get a draw. And, you know, this whole these are the fine lines. But uh, I'd say the only surprise was Zabini, you know, as a center striker. I think it's the first time they've done that all year. Obviously disappointed for the guys, um, but they shouldn't be disappointed in there because our body of work is 34 games a season and uh, we finished third by one point you know we, we can all say we should have done this and could have done that but every team does that so for us to be just falling short in the last game um, shows how far we've come so we'll take that as a positive I respect the spin that you're putting on the situation yep. I mean, it, you know you could have done it last week and you yep. had the chance today is there a concern though with the way that you've played though the last month and a half no because I thought we went toe to toe with Portland today and um, you know they're a good team we know that Arguably, they, I believe they won the MLS two years ago. They've strengthened since then, so no, not at all. Freddie was physically able to play. It could have he played 90 minutes. If uh... well, I asked Freddie last night and this morning, and he felt he could, uh, but he went out with a nasty knock in training. Uh, so I made the decision. I knew we would have another game. I didn't know when it would be, uh, so I made the call. I'm the manager. I make calls. A lot of the talk after this is going to be about the goalkeeper situation. It's yeah. probably not ideally what you're wanting going into the playoffs, but what did you think of Stefan's play today? I thought, um, I haven't spoke to Stefan about the first goal. Obviously, he made the decision to palm it out and we didn't win the second phase. Ridgie was at the back post and tapped it in, so I'm sure if you give him that one, he'll probably take it back. But I so said, there's no goalkeeper situation. It's it's a, a team situation. Every position I have, players are fighting for positions. And as I said, there, Noza comes in today. I leave Tony out. And Bola comes in. I leave the bug out. And Alfonso wasn't in the 18 today. So I've got great competition. So I'll much, deal with it. Carl, how much second guessing do you have now with guys who you said probably could have performed better than they did? Yeah. Guys that you didn't play heading into this knockout game. Now? Listen, there's no second guessing. I'll just put out the team that I think are going to win the game. And 
sometimes that changes against the opposition you play. You know, we play San Jose now, I believe, and, you know, we played them literally, we should know them. We played them, like, literally a week ago. So, you know, we'll look at the last game we played against them. Um, but it certainly probably won't be the same team. Um, but there will be there'll probably be a couple of changes. Pretty fast turnaround coming yeah. around. What do you tell you guys? You've got three days, four days, whatever it is to... Prepare. We're in tomorrow. We'll fly back tonight. Obviously, um, it's important we get back to see the families and the kids and they can drive you mad because um, I probably drive them mad over 34 games. So we'll do that. We'll cover tomorrow and we'll go again. Listen, I said... I, I, I don't want them going out of there being disappointed and sad and long faces. That's not what it's about. It's about cup football starts now. Now there is win or go home. You know, we knew that would be the occasion. Irrelevant of what if we got a result today or last week. Now the real stuff starts. I, ideally, you want the week yeah. off, but you haven't got it. So yeah. looking at the positive, at least you know you can go on the road, you can score. Yeah. Second leg on the road. Yeah. I, I think that kind of works in the team's favour a little bit. It, it has done in the last two or three seasons, I believe, uh, or so I told. So I'll use the positive spin there um, to say that's what happens. The team finishing the playoff has gone all the way to MLS Cup. So, listen, we'll go, we'll go the hard route. That was Carl Robinson, and I think some people will question whether he had the answers today. Uh, quickly, everybody's man of the match. Who do you think, or if you want to see a dishonorable mention of the, whoever was your unman of the match? Uh, for me, it's tough, but I would have to say Waston, in my opinion, just for his goal. Uh, he always plays good, good, rather good in Portland. Uh, and you said un- un- honorable. No, no. If you wanted, if you okay, don't want to name him, just Waston. Just Waston. Because Zach doesn't that. like naming managers of matches if okay, they lose. So right. I'll give me that option. Waston. I'll go with uh, Waston was a good one. I'll go with Gazal as well. I continue to be impressed by him. Just yeah. his control in the midfield is great. And you know, Jordi, Jordi Reyna was buzzing around. He wasn't really invisible. I I thought he was creating some chances. Um, although his touch let him down a couple of times. But Waston, I think, does stand out. Michael, you. Yeah, I have to go with Waston as well. A lot of what he did today probably wasn't even seen on the TV. His marshalling of the defence was fantastic. He was yelling loads, and he was all over Darren Mattox. Apart from, from the goal, but every other time he was like, it was like he was glued to the back of his jersey. That's how close he was marking. Yeah, I kind of I kind of I, I go with Darren. I mean, uh, I go ahead and go with Kendall Waston as well, <laughs> only because of the fact that. He seemed like the one of the few people that showed emotion on the pitch today, and he's and obviously he's the captain, and it's a great thing to see the captain do that. But you expect other players to do that as well. And since he was the only player that I felt was doing anything, um, and and kind of running, driving the team to try, trying to get them a result, I, I kind of have to give him the man of the match. His stare down too after he scored the goal to the Timbers Army. Yeah, that if we won the game, that would have been that would have been a classic a, moment, a great moment for sure. <laughs> Michael, you had the chance to talk to the probably the actual man of the match, the one, the the the, the Jamaican who scored the winning goal. Yeah, he, he actually he scored of his own accord. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I would I would figure that he would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got a chance to speak to Darren afterwards. He had done a scrum. I was in the caps locker room, and Zach went into the Portland room and decided he was going to bring him out so that I could speak to him. So we, we had a, a good chat. One thing that's not on what you're about here. 
And it's going to be swearing later on in Wavelength, so I'll just tell the full story now because we have to mark this episode explicit anyway. But my question to him was, how the fuck did you put that in the back of the net between Parker and Watson? And he said, practice. So <laughs> that, that's obviously what went wrong with him here. He just didn't practice. And we'll play that audio now. Uh, Michael. Before we play that audio, Michael, thanks for joining us. We'll let you go for uh, the rest of the night. That way Mrs. AFTN can get some sleep as well. <laughs> she can go to bed now, so that's good. Yeah, and we'll see you midweek at the, at the San Jose game for sure. Okay, so here's the audio for the goal that broke Whitecaps' hearts, Darren Maddox. So Darren, a big, big goal for you today, winning the, the first place in the West. What, what's, what's going through your mind now, especially doing it against your former team as well? You know, um, we definitely got to enjoy this one, you know, because we've got to be doing something right to win the West. You know, over 34 games, you know, we were the best, you know, and that's massive. And for me, the goal is it's, it's just to cap off a lot of been working. You know, um, working hard for the team, you know, it's massive for me, you know. So hopefully getting playoffs, I'll just continue doing what I've been doing. You spent so long at Vancouver. Does it kind of give you any satisfaction to do it against Vancouver, knowing that you maybe didn't get the opportunities there that, that you hope to get? Yeah, definitely. You know, like, um, fantastic club, fantastic people, fantastic city, well-run organisation, one of the best in the league. You know, but for me, like, I wasn't getting enough playing time. And, you know, that's me being honest, you know, so... I went to look somewhere else for more playing time, you know, because as a player, when you got ambition, you want to play you want, and you want to perform, you know. So come to their probably their biggest rival, and each time I play against them, I seem to score, you know. So, but I mean, I've I've moved on past it, you know. It's you know, um, I love those guys same way. I talk to Rebel, you know. Um, every game before we play, I go and hook him up, you know. So that's our communication that's where friendship still you know only only get better you know I've got nothing but love for Vancouver and obviously you're getting your chance now Fernando Addy's injured <laughs> when you're a player you want to get your chance and then when you get it you want to grab it with both hands you certainly seem to have done that the last few weeks definitely you know because um I've got to show what I got you know even though I know what I can do I think I've got to go out there and perform and show it you know because there's one thing when you got talent you know but if you're not showing it then you know um it's just natural how the game goes, someone that's going to get their chances, you know. So for me to been playing a consistent run of games and been helping the team, whatever it takes, that's massive for me. So I just got to keep it going. The, the West this year, it's been so tight. I've never seen it like this. What's been your thoughts of it? You've been in the league a long time. Is, is it just that the teams are more level or do you feel that the quality's maybe not been there this year? No, I would, I would, I would definitely not say the quality has not been. The quality has been there, you know. That's why it's so close to them because every team can beat everyone in the West, you know. So the quality is definitely there. Why I would say the West has been so close. So definitely, the quality in the West is massive, you know. I mean, in both East and the West, you know. I think each and every year, Major League Soccer has continued to grow, and then and over the next maybe five, ten years, hopefully they'll be one of the top teams in the top leagues in the world. And going into the, the playoffs now, you must be full of confidence. You've got a week off. Last time when Portland won the Cup, you had to do it the hard way. You're on the road. This year, you've got home field advantage in, in the second leg of all these games. What's your thoughts just heading into the playoffs now? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't here 2015 when they won, and I said, so this is, this is me writing my script and my chapter with this club, and hopefully I can help them to do what they did in 2015. 
Uh, your teammate, Valentin, was giving you a hard time after the match. I don't know if you know that today you chose to wear a Canadian tuxedo of denim and denim. <laughs> denim, denim. And Tanella thought maybe it was your Halloween costume. Uh, um, was, did you choose this just because you're playing a Canadian team today? I did not choose that. I, I didn't even know that. You know, I got to talk Zerk about that. I mean, he spent too much time in Canada, I think, a couple of years in Montreal, you know, so... I'm going to give him a talk tomorrow with him, see because that's not cool right now. <laughs> that's great. Thanks so much. I know it, man. I'm getting lost. It's good, man. Welcome back. You're listening to the FTN Soccer Show on CITA Radio. On 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. And you're listening the, right there to the Gord Downey and the Tragically Hip. Rest yeah. in peace, Gord. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is, that, that's a, this song is actually 50 Mission Cap, which is kind of ironic because the, the Whitecaps did get the 50, 50 points this year <laughs> or over. Uh, but this is the song that actually brought me into the hip because I was reading a lot of sports autobiographies and i was reading about the maple leafs at one point and uh this 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 song in particular was about uh a player bill barlico who scored a goal got uh vanished on a fishing trip his plane crashed they found him a few years later so he's kind of i like i like the way the hip sang so much about canadiana but another team we're talking about uh, obviously canadian team vancouver whitecaps losing today two to one and now in addition to the three of us in the studio, we're joined by somebody else who was in Portland, Zach Meisenheimer. Hey, Zach, how's it going? Uh, is this where I call to give blood? Oh, you can if you want to. O or A. Um, uh, uh, I'm looking for O. Uh, <laughs> in 30 seconds, your thoughts on the game today. <laughs> just 30, kidding. 30 seconds. No, just go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> uh, it, uh, I listened to you guys talk with Michael. It, it, it's hard not to be disappointed. It's uh, it's a, a huge, another huge lost opportunity. Uh, a really rushed uh, preparation, one training session to get ready for San Jose on uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, uh, you were talking about for some reason you were talking about man of the match, which was uh, you know very disturbing. But oh, although um, we gave you a shout out that say that you, you don't believe yeah. that somebody should be named man of the match, so yeah, um, no, it was it was not it was not a, a lot of players had games I don't think they'll be really happy with and definitely moments that they wish they could have back. Uh, you know, from Stefan to uh to to Jordan. I think one I think one of the one of the biggest concerns uh for me was the winning goal. It looks like and and you heard in a little bit in the Caleb Porter discussion, teams really know how to play Vancouver. And one of the one of the things you one of the things you do offensively against Vancouver is you uh Overlap with your fullbacks, get them into good wide positions, and cut it back on the ground. We, that's how Seattle uh, took Vancouver apart a couple of weeks ago, and that's how the winning goal was created. Uh, so I think that's if other teams haven't been watching that, then they're 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 a bit foolish, especially San Jose. Um, but it's a bit it's a bit it's a bit concerning. Um, the other thing that for me, obviously, that's really frustrating. Um, 
is the overall season results against the Cascadia sides. I know in previous years, it, it hasn't felt like a big deal because it's almost like whoever's won the Cascadia Cup hasn't done really well. Um, but when you look at our game, uh, you look at the Vancouver games against Seattle and Portland this year, they, they took four out of, out of 18 points, which is really, really poor. One, one and one at home. And then all, all three away matches were losses. And, uh, I think it's deserved that Vancouver's behind Seattle and Portland in, in the overall table for the overall year. Now, another player, an, another group of players, I thought that had a poor game. We talked a little bit about them in the first bit. Was the the three kind of attackers, Bola, um, Shea, and uh, Abini? Yeah, they they really were kind of in this, in a, in a, in a in a stadium like Portland where it's tight and everything. You expect them to make a little bit more impact than they did. Yeah, I mean, Bola made one contribution in terms of winning a free kick that led to ultimately led to the set piece goal for Kendall. Um, so he did that, but uh, I don't know if he did too much more. I think he, you know, didn't contribute uh, the way he would want to. I know, you know, having looked at some Twitter where we were having dinner in Portland after the game, you know, there was talk about him taking too much time on the ball, which is not really helpful when your team is based, your identity is based around transition and and really playing on the counter uh, that can be obviously counterproductive. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think he had a great game. Uh, Breck Shea, I think, well, I mean, what more can be said? It's, it's really dis- disturbing when your quote unquote designated a player uh, continues to um, not, not, you know, not take matches, you know, take a hold of matches in the way that they, 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 they probably should. And yeah, I think he had a, I think he had a poor match. Um, if, if Beanie, I talked talk to I talked to Caleb Porter a little bit after the after the scrum on the way into the dressing room. And he was that was the one thing that really stood out for him was they were really expecting Hurtado to start if 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 the Columbia didn't start, which we we knew obviously he wasn't going to play because of uh, because of the knock he took. Um, but they were they were surprised that it wasn't Hurtado and uh, that they they went with um, Bernie up up top. Um, but they weren't they weren't surprised by anything else. Uh, I think one pe- person though that was surprising was uh, Noza Igabor, His first start, uh, Michael had a chance to catch up with him, and we're just going to play that audio quickly, and then we're going to discuss uh, what he talked about and how he played. No, so I just wanted to, to ask you, you made your MLS debut today, obviously not the result yeah. that you wanted for the team, but h- how did you just find that whole experience? Um, I think it's, um, it's amazing, to be honest. Um, I'm just happy to be here. And, you know, um, this is my debut. Uh, I wanted a win, you know, but um, sometimes this football doesn't go your way. Um, but overall, I think I'm happy and I'm just pleased with the team, the coaching staff and everybody, and you know, I'm just loving it. You haven't played for a while. Yeah. How, how difficult is it then to, to come in cold and make your debut in such a big match? Um, yeah, I've not played for almost four months, but um, like, you know, I've played um, with the biggest teams in the world, so 
for me, uh, this is just football. It's, it's, it's what I love to do, and, and I'm used to this kind of crowd, yeah. you know, playing against Barcelona, Madrid, and all of the. So it's just, um, it's just me. I, I love to play, and I, I never find it difficult to always play football. And the partnership you have with Ali Ghazal, obviously first of us seeing it today, but it looks like it could be a partnership that looks really good. The two of you seem to kind of complement each other. Yeah, you're right. Um, he's a tough guy. He's a, he's a very tough guy, and uh, I love I love him. I love how he play, and you know we kind of um, we're African, so that kind of little bit relationship we speak, you know, and um, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, and like playing on a turf pitch. Have you had much experience playing on, on that kind of surface? No, I, I, I've never. I think um, I've not played for almost ten years in 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 tough. You understand? But like I said, when the whistle goes on, yeah. you know, I just I just go with the flow, and that's it. I, I'm gonna get used to it. That's I'm gonna get used to it. It's, it's difficult. You understand when you've not played ten years in, but um, I'm gonna get used to it. Just the last thing: playoffs now coming up going to be at home during the week, Wednesday or Thursday. Mm-hmm. What are you expecting going into that? Have you had much experience of playoff soccer? I know over in Spain, it's, it's playoffs isn't really a big thing, it's just a league. Yeah. It's kind of like, I guess, cup games and stuff like that. But what, what are you expecting and are you looking forward to it? It's just the same, like um, you play the FA Cup, you play the knockout and, you know, when it's knockout, you have to give everything. Because <laughs> as soon as it's done, it's done. You just have to give everything. And um, it's just one game. So I think um, we're going to prepare for this game and just give everything. Because we don't want to regret nothing, you understand. There's no next game or something. So we're just going to give everything. Whatever it takes, you know, we're just going to give everything. That's great. Thanks so much, Nosa. Good luck. He was good, after. He was. Thank you. So that was Noza there um, talking about the game after. I thought he played really well. Getting what your thoughts on how Noza played and did he match up well with Gazal? And were you, were you surprised? Obviously, I think everybody was surprised that he was going to play in this game. Yeah, because uh, he was lined up with uh, the starting, supposedly starting eleven rather on uh, Thursday at training. So um, you know, if this was the game to throw him in, I think it would be just because the Caps didn't wrap it up last Sunday. Uh, again, it's tough to say with I believe Jacobson and Chania both free agents at the end of this year. Uh, you'd have to think that Noza plays a factor in that a little bit. Um, if he, they were to arrest Chani, he'd be the guy to go in there. Jacobson uh, hasn't started in a, a little bit, so uh, get Noza in there. Uh, first game for the club didn't have a didn't have a bad game, didn't have a great game. Um, so I think for him, he's going to be happy with it. Him and Gazal, it's kind of hard to see them play each other with each other more because they are a similar style player. But again, they they looked pretty good beside each other, and I wouldn't mind seeing that combination again. Joe, your thoughts on on Noza and his debut? I, I really liked him as a player. Um, seems very tough. I he he was you know getting stuck into that derby atmosphere, and uh, yeah, I think a couple of attributes of his game. Uh, I th- I think he he was intelligent in his movement in the midfield. He knew that his that it was a defensive uh, team strategy, so he was sticking back. Um, he was very quick to get on the deck and make a tackle, which you know in the playoffs you need people to to make those tough tackles and it has been a criticism of this team in the past that the midfield hasn't been firm enough um so he I but I I think this is a more of a long-term thing going forward looking to next season I would expect to see um Gazal and Nosa in that central midfield role um and I liked what I saw today and I thought I, I was surprised by his inclusion um but 
it turned out to be a pretty good decision, I think. Now, Zach, he he definitely showed a lot of quite a bit of toughness there, because you know, well, toughness or just the ability to get into tackles because he he got a yellow card. Do you think that affected his play going, uh, you know, in the, for the rest of the game, and he wasn't maybe a little as aggressive, or do you think it, it didn't really play a part in anything? No, I, I think it did play a part. I, I, I too was a little bit uh, surprised at him starting. I wouldn't have been surprised if you know he had been included in the eighteen. You can question whether or not this was the, the right game to, to to start him in, but it was good to to see some of what he has to offer in terms of the the, the booking. There was a there was a moment later on in the first half where he to us in the in the way supporter section, anyways, it appeared like. He blocked a shot and it maybe kind of hit his arm, which was next to his body. But he it looked like he went down to try and make it look like it hit him in the hit him kind of you know like it winded him more. And it wasn't on his arm because he was already on a yellow. And if the referee for some reason thought that it hit his arm, he could have you know could have booked him again and sent him off. So I, I think it, it I, I think it was on his mind. I think he does have he it appears like he has a you know a good kind of football IQ. Uh, I, It'll be. It would be nice if he was kind of at you know, full or maximum fitness, um, you know, and and you know match fitness. But we'll see if he can contribute to anything else going forward. Now, uh, obviously, Nosa. I, I don't see us him starting in the game uh, on Wednesday because of the fact that he's still like he, like he was. He had to get taken off because of cramps at the end there. Now, another player who very well might start is Marinovic. He didn't have a great game uh, against Portland. A lot of people would, would a lot of people are blaming him for the first goal. Michael had a chance to talk to Stuart Kerr on Thursday and ask him about the goalkeeping situation. So we're just going to play that audio quickly, and then we're going to come back and discuss that. So here is Stuart Kerr with Michael. Keeper, you just made a decent save. So why do you feel the need to rant and rave? Screaming at defenders makes you look dead stupid Especially when they haven't done much wrong Please cease the trait From what you've seen since you've come here When you first came here when I spoke to you in February You said this was the best goalkeeping unit that you thought in MLS Then Paolo moved on, Stefan came in What's your thoughts on the whole group just now? I think, to be fair, I think we've actually improved it. I think if you look, um, I think at the start of the year, when you look at the start of the year, look at Spencer. Spencer's improved a lot. I think Sean Melvin's come in and he's improved a heli a lot as well. He's managed to get a lot of USL games under his belt, so he's did really well. I think Davis did well this season. The biggest thing was with, with, with Palo was could Palo step in a lot of times when it was you know, number two. And obviously struggled a little bit with that, so we went out and we've got Stefan. And I think at the moment we've improved where we were. That's what you always try to do. If somebody's better comes available, then that's what we want to do. And I think that's what we've done with Stefan. I spoke to you at the time and I said he came available and we had to go and get yeah. him. We had to go and get him because the other team's interested. And I think he's proved that with his performances. So I think in answer to your question, I think we've improved, which was already a very good goalkeeping core at the start of the season. When you look at like the battle between Stefan and David just now, some folk are surprised because they don't they don't see training, they don't see how he plays, and they just know that David's been here for so long. Yeah. So it's been a surprise. Robbo's kind of said he takes your judgment. Yeah. What have you seen in training that just makes Stefan stand out so much? I think the thing that really helps Stefan as well is he is an international goalkeeper. I think at a very young age, I think people sometimes look at New Zealand and go, "Oh, listen, well." 
they're doing something that you know, in my country, Scotland, they're not in a playoff, and the USA is not in a playoff, so they're in a playoff against uh, Peru, and he's been playing in those games just after playing against Japan as well in front of the 40,000 people there. So he's very calm, and it, I told you at the time when we signed him, he's, he's just turned 26 now actually, very young for a goalkeeper, especially in North American circles. And I think he's shown in every game he's played here. I think it's not only that he makes really good saves, I think under real pressure, he's very, very calm. And you know what you're going to get with him. And I think when you're sitting on the bench as a goalkeeping coach and as a manager, I think it's very, when you have that confidence in somebody, it gives you a good indication that you're going to get a good result in the game. When you see like David's reaction, he, he looked pissed off yeah. basically on Saturday, which is what or Sunday, which is what you want. But how's he been at training this week? Fantastic. Like like it'd be easy for me to say that just for lip yeah. service, but no. He's been when we told him on the Saturday, the day before the game, he was disappointed, which we'd expect. And I've been in his position when I played, so that's what I told yeah. him as well. I've been there. I know exactly what it's like and it's not anything that David's done it's just the fact that we thought that Stefan at that time was a better goalkeeper so as simple as that there's nothing else in it and we understand like David's played here a long time but I think Rob will say just we have to win football matches and it's hard decisions at time he was disappointed but his reaction in training has been absolutely fantastic I think even today he was taking the shooting and stuff like that and he was, he was absolutely fantastic and I expect him to be disappointed and I said to him at the time I think this will probably add another 10-15% onto your game which he's already on the, on the way to doing and it doesn't matter how disappointed inside as long as he shows the right attitude it's the same for every player at this club. I mean, there's, there's, there's guys left out. There's some guys who are left out of the 18, which like international players, which is, is very, very difficult. And it's hard decisions, but as long as you take it the right way, in which David has done, then there's not a problem. Last thing on this, heading into the playoffs, can you have a situation where you maybe change the goalkeeper again, or do you have to basically say, without tipping your hand too much, yeah. this is Stefan's position to lose now? It's you know what? It's I've been in the game long enough to never say never. Because obviously you would like a settled goalkeeper in your, in your lineup for the end of the season. I think uh, goalkeepers breed off that continuity because I've been in the position myself. I think it's good. But you never say never. Anything can happen. A loss of form, uh, suspension, injury. There's so many variables that come in it. So all I ask and all I say to my goalkeepers is every day is, is train as though you're playing. As simple as that because you don't know when you're going to get the call. And I think that's what they do. But um, obviously we'd like a, a set. Like I think it's the same in every position really. I think we'd also like a, a settled side getting into the playoffs, but unfortunately it doesn't work like that, so hopefully we can, but we'll wait and see what happens. Now it's an indirect free kick to the boys They keep us self-destructed because of the noise The energy smashes the so that's uh, Stuart Kerr talking about the goalkeeping. And like we said, that was recorded on Thursday before the game. So clearly um, Michael's choice of uh, tracks at the beginning there went that great, considering how bad Marinovic's game was today, especially on the first goal. Um, Zach, your thoughts on Marinovic? Like, obviously, we talked about it last week that we don't think um, Alstead, or even a couple, oh, last week or a couple weeks ago, we didn't think Alstead would be able to come back at this point because he was benched. It was against the San Jose game. Um, uh, do you think that's still the case? Do you think they could still go back to Ousted, or do you think it's his Marinovic's uh, net to to guard? Well, you, you heard Stewart there say never say never, which is obviously the case. You you can put him in, but I don't think that. I don't like we said last week. I don't think his head's in the right space. Uh, I, I unfortunately, I think 
he knows his time is done here, and this is all just waiting for this to get played out. I think if he gets called gets called upon, he'll yeah he'll give his all, he'll do his best. But goalkeeper, <laughs> having spent some time you know talking to connecting with goalkeepers over the years in in Vancouver, it, the the mental side of the game is huge, and uh, I think that all that's happened over the last I don't know three or four months has taken its toll on David. And I and I'm, I might be wrong, but that's just that's my perspective. Your guys' thoughts? The, what are the chance? Does, does Mirnovich keep his spot? Or yeah, you have to think just because he's been in such good form with New Zealand, and it's hard to compare international and, and MLS. But I think for him coming into the game, he's already played four games with the Whitecaps. He's done pretty exceptional on the road, uh, except for today. Before that, he had some good road games, home games as well. The last game, the only home game he played, he had a good performance despite giving up the goal, which wasn't really his fault. For Osted, hard to go back for him for that mindset of playing on the bench, you know, warming up second fiddle to, to Marinovic and training as well and warm-up is, is going to be tough for him to go back there, and I think it has to be Marinovic for the remainder of uh, the season as of right now. Um, I think I agree with what, the, what Gideon was saying there. Um, at this point of the season, you can't be making changes at about goalkeeping. It, in different sports, it's different. In hockey, you can rotate goalies, you know, pretty frequently. But um, stability is needed in that position. Marinovic has had one bad game. He's been, for my money, he's been better than Osted well in the time that he's been here as well. Um, and I think we should stick with him. And a lot of things that uh, Kerr mentioned there in that interview were very very interesting the fact that he's so young the fact that he has international experience long term he could be an upgrade on David Usted who has been a fantastic servant for this club and an example and a captain at times for the other players yeah. on the field also sorry I'm just to say one more thing that it's the same with Joe said about goalkeeping and how you're going to need stability. It's not just in goalkeeping, it's everywhere in the field. And for the Whitecaps, they're going to need to find... I feel like if Montero wasn't injured on Thursday, they have a similar-looking lineup uh, to last week. But again, you need stability not just in goalkeeping, but throughout the pitch. And that's what the Whitecaps are going to have to, to figure out as well on Wednesday and who they're going to play. Now, uh, before we uh, let you go, Zach, we're going to talk about San Jose in the next uh, section. What is your thoughts on the game coming up? We just want to get your thoughts and, and maybe a prediction. Yeah, I think when you look at the form, San Jose is in far better form, and, and not just obviously speaking of the last you know week or so. Um, when you go back to I think like July, they're they're in a, in a, in a bit of a they're in a be, they're in a better run of form. Uh, they're also coming off of a high with a what a ninety third ninety fourth minute uh, goal to qualify for, for the playoffs, and you know. Vancouver's coming off a disappointing away result against one of their most significant rivals to finish third instead of first or even potentially second. And uh, so I think that's in San Jose's favor. However, I think the fact that it's at home, uh, I think, will will help Vancouver. And I think that they'll manage to, to get through. Perfect. And, and we'll let you go at this point. You've had a long day of traveling um, up and down uh, Cascadia. Um, so, uh, thanks for your time and we'll talk to you soon. No worries. We'll, uh, we'll talk later. Cheers, Zach. Cheers, Zach. And we'll talk to everybody else after these messages. Hey, it's Sivan Runovic and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio on 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. That is Pigeon Camera by the Tragically Hip. Um, reason why we're talking Pigeon Camera, it was a, a pick from uh, C, um Chris Corrigan, and we're going to be talking about something he wrote about later on, hopefully this section, maybe next section. Uh, but before we do that, let's preview the Whitecaps' upcoming opponent. We are hoping that that opponent would be uh, later on uh, because the uh, Whitecaps would get a bye. They didn't. but So they will play on Wednesday, it looks like, at 7, 7.30. It'll be the San Jose Earthquakes who they faced last week. Like I said, not the ideal situation, but they're going to have to go with what they have. Um, San Jose, uh, like Zach talked earlier, um, San Jose scored late in that game. Uh, on near the death almost, and and uh, pulled it out. Otherwise, it was they were going to be hosting Dallas at that point because Dallas was in that in that spot. Yeah, San Jose is not the strongest team that's ever played. Actually, the weakest when you when you look at goal differential, they're a minus twenty one, which puts them at the worst team to ever qualify for the MLS playoffs when it comes to that stat. So they're not the strongest. There's a few other stats I'll come up with later on, but your guys' thoughts on San Jose uh, as being that opponent, considering they came just a week ago and tied 1-1. Yeah, for the Whitecaps, uh, an ideal position because they get another shot at the San Jose team. San Jose is going to have Chris Leach and the the men in in the Earthquakes are going to be so happy to get this Whitecaps team again because they thought they could have won it last week. You saw after the San Jose goal last Sunday that they had so much energy. Houston just about got another one for them. Uh, They're going to come in this Wednesday with a lot of adage that they, they know that they have this win against Minnesota who who won in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. They're a good team as well. So San Jose is going to be pumped up, especially nine, winning in the 94th minute. That's always special. And you saw the celebrations in that locker room on Twitter. It shows you just how uh, important this game is to them. They're not going to take this Whitecaps team lightly, obviously in the playoffs as well. Um, I think like Gideon was saying, uh, San Jose are out of the three teams that the Whitecaps could have played after falling to third. Uh, I would have picked San Jose myself. There's kind of a mental block with FC Dallas that we we kind of got rid of it this year, but they've been so bad that I don't know if I don't, it would have been a tricky one-off game. Um, and uh, RSL, you know, they're always kind of a hard team to play against. But so I I would have I would have picked San Jose myself. Um, yeah, a, a point that um, Zach made earlier about how teams have learned how to break how to break down the Whitecaps is about those cutbacks and the goal that San Jose scored to win the game today was a cutback goal, you know. Um, but we've only faced them like a, a week ago. Both these teams will know each other very well. I thought the Whitecaps should have won that game last week. Yeah, um, handily too, ha- by yeah, far and away. Yeah. But I think it'll be a very different game because San Jose know that the pressure's on the Whitecaps to, to get the result at home. You know, they, um, they're they on a better run of form, like Gideon was saying. They're on a high. Whitecaps have, have, haven't have gotten a result in Very three weeks, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I, I think this game is going to go to penalties. It's a bold prediction. And I think Marinovic will redeem himself in a penalty shootout. The the San Jose uh, Earthquake, they, they don't have a very good away record. It's They basically got five results um, on their way. Three wins, two draws. Except for the draw against Vancouver, all the results are against non-playoff teams. So they're not uh, the strongest team. Their longest unbeaten streak has been three games. And they're right now on that right now based on today's. So they haven't ever got four results in a row. 
So that's another thing that maybe is an advantage to Vancouver. Wondolowski seems like the only guy that can score for the team and or set up. Like because today he set up the winning goal. Uh, we scored the the second goal, set up the third. Uh, is Wando the main threat, or do they do they gotta watch out for other guys like Vaco? Uh, I'm not gonna pronounce his last name as well. <laughs> Va- yeah. Vaco, they call him Vaco. Um, he's the one that scored against Vancouver and almost scored a second too because Marinovic was able to get this paw to it. Um, but Wondolowski set up uh, Vaco's goal as yeah. well before. Uh, so is is Wondolowski the key here that they have to really pay attention to? He's their focal point going forward, but their defensive unit is also. Pretty experienced. Is it Bernardes in the back? He's yeah. And Youngworth. Youngworth looks very good this year. Very good. Very good pickup for them. Mm-hmm. But but they're kind of Bernardes is kind of old and slow. Do you think they should use that he's speed? Big. He's big. Yeah, but, big. But, but can you, can you the, get around him? The goalkeeper. Remember he? Yeah, Tarbell. Ca- Tarbell. He kept the Whitecaps out by himself. If he has another game like that, like a vintage goalkeeper playoff performance, you know, the thing is, all the form the form book goes out the window now. Just win this yeah. game. Like the Whitecaps have had a good season. If you took a, take a holistic view of it, if they lose on Wednesday, it's a bad season. Like hands down. Like to 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 lose the advantages that advantages that they had. If I think if we if three weeks ago if you told a Whitecaps fan that they would they would be in third place and they have to play this knockout game, they would have been scandalized. But if you told them at the start of the season, you'd be thinking, oh, that's great. You know, that's better than we usually do. We usually we were one of the four, the fifth or sixth teams in in the standings, right? Like a lot of people will talk about like what 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 do they what do they what should they have learned from the last game? Now, when you look at San Jose's season, twenty three of their thirty four games, they've only scored one goal or less. And obviously, it's not a great record when you only score one goal, especially if you have a poor defense like they do as well. Like they've they allowed a lot of goals um, in quite a few games. When they lose, especially they 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 lose yeah. big. Um, you think the big lesson, considering if they had scored two goals in that game, they would have won. Do you think that's the big lesson? Just finish your chances and get 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 it in the net. Yeah, one thing that I would say, Steve and Joe, is that times were changing in San Jose. It used to be a Wondolowski-led team. Uh, this year, they've made some great signings. Houston, you said Vaco. Youngworth has been a great pickup for them as well. Seren, the trade last year. It's a very good, different, good team, different team as well. Different on the road than at home, obviously, as a lot of MLS teams are. But this is a game where, again, San Jose is going to favor playing them last week. Whitecaps, very lucky to elude a Rail Salt Lake and, and Dallas, as Joe mentioned. But this is a very, very good San Jose team. Whitecaps are going to have to press against the outside backs of San Jose. That's my key to win the game because Salinas is, a, again, a converted player from the mid position. Uh, San Jose played the four, a 4-4-2 as well, which if the Whitecaps play the 4-2-3-1, like owning that midfield will be uh, will be Huge. crucial. With yeah. Gazelle as well, I think we have the capability, a capability to do it. But the problem is, will Robbo set the team up to play on the counter as usual Whereas if you have a if you're playing against a four four two and you could potentially c- control that midfield, is that a safer um, way to play going forward? Even though the Whitecaps have been playing on the counter for the last two or three months pretty successfully, it has to be said. You know, in the, but in this one off game, do you t- temporarily switch the strategy to a more control based game, or do you keep playing on the counter? Because last time we played on the counter, we generated offensive opportunities, but we they didn't become chances because the decision making was so bad. If if you want to play on the counter, you're going to have to work in these two days which is crazy on the attacking decision making like making sure Reyna plays the right through ball or 
uh, like making sure the options are are making the right runs when you're on the counterattack. It all depends. It's a one-off game, so the strategy is going to be super important. Yeah, the spacing especially, because sometimes their spacing was not good. They they timed their runs poorly in that game. Uh, and uh, like I said, they, they their shots... And Tarbell, like you said before, Tarbell came up big. Um, Bingham was their starter for a long time. They put Tarbell in now, and it seems like... And he was started today as well, so it seems like he's the guy going forward for them. It's odd that the two teams had uh, established starters and now they're going to other goalkeepers uh, going into the playoffs in the late season. Mm-hmm. What are your guys uh, what let's go back to let's go back to Vancouver. Obviously the lineup today was a little off uh, here and there. What are you expecting from the lineup? Obviously goal we talked about Marinovic we're kind of all agreement there. There's a back line the, the center halves are pretty easy to pick out. What about the fullbacks? Do you think they go with the same? Do you think they make a change here and there? Yeah, I don't see them changing Williams for Nowinski. Nowinski would be a little hard done by if they do change that. Left back has to be, I think, Harvey. Just I know you said earlier about the, the age thing does play a factor, but for me it would be Harvey just because he's been there before with this team. Uh, I think he deserves it because of the year he had. Dion could go in there because he's a bit of a different player than Harvey. But I think it's going to be uh, Waston Parker, Nowinski, and Harvey in the back four along with Marinovic. What, what do you think about the fullbacks? Uh, I agree with uh, Gideon. You can't, you can't you can't change it at this point. Nowinski had one bad game, but he's been fantastic. Yeah. Harvey or Dion. Sometimes it seems like a toss up, but Harvey is a Harvey does a lot of important things for this team as well. I feel like I feel like Robo tries to play to De Jong's advantages against other teams and I think Harvey needs to play the San Jose game because they don't have the speediest of wingers I will say that yeah I'm just concerned that it's because and a lot of these things I'm concerned about are because of the two days Mm. and I think Harvey might they might put De Jong in because of the two days uh in between matches in the midfield um I think I think it's all plays I got Chani as well, and obviously Reina. So those are my three. What do you got? You guys on the same page or same? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if if Noza was was match fit, I would have him in there. But um, Chani, I think, comes in for this game. Yeah. yeah. The wings, I think, I think, I think are the most difficult to figure out. I think Tichero for sure. I think that's set. Yeah, we're playing, especially considering he didn't start or play very much today. But and, what about the other side? But we're playing at home, so Tichero, it's an advantage for us because um, away from home we try and do more set pieces stuff. So at home, I think it's it's definitely Tichero's uh, position. On the other side, you know, I I think I, I'm a big I'm a fan of the defensive work that Breck Shea does because I think the other wingers we have don't really do as much as he can, right? Davies is having a tough, as the European coaches say, having a tough moment yeah. in it right now. Um, so I would I would go Brekshay at that in that left wing position, just as just weighing up the different choices that we have. I would go with Brekshay. You get it? Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to go with that, and I think I'm going to jump ahead here. You you think Shay too is for left wing? I'm I'm leaning towards Shay. Yeah. Okay. Um. Um. But I I think that just because he's I don't know how much uh, playoff experience he's had, but. Just because he's got MLS experience, I think he he would be the ideal choice. If you had to rank the wingers that we have in, as backup wingers right now, we have Ibini, we have Davies, um, like these both most of those players except for Shea can only play on the left side. Like most of them can play both sides. So yeah. if you had to rank like one to five, I think it's five. Um, like who would it be? So up top, I would have Tichero for for the work that he does. Yeah. Second, that's it's already a question. Who's, yeah, who's exactly. Second. That's the second. That, yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, you don't have that point. second. Nobody's really captured that second spot. Bolanos. It was. You, you, it was Bolanos. Yeah, yeah. You, but he's he, lost that. Recently. Yeah, he's he he's the most talented, but he does, he lost it, and also he's suspect defensively. 
I feel like that injury he had in Costa Rica, uh, I think it was a month or so ago. September, that, I think it was. Yeah, that yeah. has to play a factor for him confidence-wise, getting on a lineup for a while. He was with the team, but again, didn't play in action. So for me, I, I think right now it'll be Brexit just because Rob was just playing him in there because A, he's a designated player. B, he's had a good season. He's got three goals, which is a little bit surprising uh, given that he was a bench player. And uh, four, I think it'd have to be a beanie at this point. Five would be Davies just because a beanie's been in there a little bit more than Davies. Now, up top, I think, I know he got a knock on Thursday, but I, I, I kind of see Montero. It has oh, to be yeah. Montero. you, you yeah. got to put everything out there at this point. You could play Hurtado for maybe 30 minutes and put Hurtado, or Montero out there, but I don't think Robbo would do that. I so. think it's a one, one-off one game. You go with your, your best striker. Um, his skill level, I, I, he really does amaze me. He he gets in these tight positions where you you think, oh, he's definitely going to lose the ball. But we we think that because we're used to watching Hurtado and Maddox like <laughs> up there. But he just you know he wiggles out, plays a ball out out wide. He's he's fantastic. You, I mean, you could play Hurtado and try and tire out Youngworth and Bernardes, but I don't see Robert doing that. D- again, depends on how Montero is feeling because he did play I think about twenty five minutes. Today. Yeah, about so, that. Yeah, so that that could play a factor. Uh, I could see Hurtado potentially. Just again, it depends on uh, Montero's feeling. But Hurtado's a better player to have if we don't have the ball. And yes. I think Robbo yeah. will expect to have a little bit more of the ball than usual. So I think Montero will. Maybe it's like Montero for 60 minutes and then and then Hurtado or something like that. But um, I like we will have more possession and Hurtado's yeah. first touch is it's not the best sometimes. I like Hurtado against Bernardo Zell, very physical player. But yeah, yeah but I, I think Mont- oh, you yeah. got to give it to the DP. Yeah. The DP, if you're assigned as a DP, and that's why maybe Shea gets in there too because of that. That's um, in case of Montero, though. depends if... Oh, uh, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, 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 consider you play 25 minutes. I yeah. think they start him. Yeah. If they have, have to take to. him out at 60, then they take him out at 60. Yeah. Hopefully, you honestly... This game should be won at halftime. Uh, like you should have this game done and dusted. You should have three goals by Tarbell at halftime, and you should just take it easy for the rest, knowing that you got to play Sunday but or Monday. When has it ever been straight? It's never that easy, but that's <laughs> I, what I, I, that's I, what you hope I for. I honestly <laughs> think it's going to go all the way to penalties. I really hope I'm wrong. I hope it's four nil at halftime, and we sub Montero off. We sub Waston off because he needs a break or something. Like I that I really wish that does happen, but it's going to go. It's going to be a, a really frustrating match I, I feel well uh one of the players we talked about earlier jordan harvey he t- had a chance to talk to michael after the game and uh, to discuss kind of uh, his thoughts on the game and and, and the upcoming playoffs. so we'll t- listen to him and we'll be right back listen for me i look over the course of uh you know the last 34 games I'm not looking over the last two games we've had a great season um, we finished third obviously we had a chance for first that would have been great but we're in the playoffs we have a home field advantage against San Jose a team that we just played so we know um, I think it's a positive for us and I think the fans should think that too and um, I'm looking forward to it Talking about putting positives on things, it's it's not trying to put spin on it, but this is a team that can go and score on the road, play well on the road. Having that second leg on the road, if you get into the semis, hopefully the final, that must play in, in your favour a little bit because you can get that away goal and then you're not... In previous years at home, it's been difficult having the home leg, second leg. Yeah, I mean, at the, at the beginning of the season, I don't know if you remember, in Champions League, we had that and I thought yeah. we did well against a team like New York. Um, Tigres was a little different, obviously, um, but I think either way, you know, we battle well on the road, and it'll set us up whether that's home or you know away that, that final leg. So, um, obviously, we'll have 
if we beat San Jose, um, that, that's looking too far. Yeah. We, we don't want to do that. We want to focus <laughs> on San Jose. You guys are you guys are catching me up here. Um, listen, San Jose either Wednesday or Thursday. Nate still doesn't even know. We're trying to figure that out. Uh, once we do that, and uh, you know that that's the game. That's the game. You guys are your questions are, are a week in advance. I, I like to think ahead. <laughs> do, do you? Does the team need lifted? Yeah. I mean, are their heads down in there, or do they know that they've got another chance? And it's like this was like a one-off game, but ultimately you've got all these games ahead of you. Now. I think we knew, looking at the season, that this last game was going to be a tough one. Um, I think for us, not being able to get the win in San Jose, I think that was the difficult part. Um, coming into this game, we were looking to get a good result and, and potentially finishing first. That didn't happen, but again, I think it's a positive that we played well. Um, you know, we could see these guys in the future, and we can take from this that we we can come away with a good good result potentially, and, and take that into a home home field advantage. So, um, listen, we we have a good group in there. Whether it's a loss right now or the the, the good stretches that we had throughout the season, nothing's wavered. We've had good character. We've bounced back from adversity, and I think we'll do that again. But for you as a player, do you like to have a rest, or are you quite happy just to get back in the saddle really quick? Um, I think right now, I think it's best that we just get back in the saddle. I think um, this group right now is, is raring to go. I know I am. Uh, having just played that game and the intensity, the atmosphere, it was like a playoff game. Yeah. And uh, I think that sets us up for the rest of the stretch now because I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm eager to get back out there. That's great. Thanks yeah. so much, Jordan. Yeah. Good luck. So that was Jordan Harvey talking about, and obviously Michael, uh, as usual, skipping ahead the San Jose game and trying to get to the rest <laughs> of the season. As and we're going to talk about that in a second. But So quickly, predictions on this game. What do you guys think? I, got, uh, I, I have 3-1 Vancouver. I was just going to say the same thing. 3-1? I'm going to stick with uh, penalties and Marinovic. Okay, but regular Coming time through. score. 1-1? One, uh, one. No, no. 2-2? 3-3? 1-1. 1-1? Okay. I can uh, keep moving up. So, five, five. <laughs> so uh, obviously, we talked about San Jose and scoring late. Um, other games uh, were... <laughs> there were some really interesting games today. Um, the Seattle game, who, if Vancouver gets by San Jose, like we're all predicting, will face them. They won 3 nothing, but the biggest thing that came out of that game was Clint Dempsey's red card. His it was basically a swing, and I was listening to the the post game show on the on the MLS Soccer website, and they were talking about how Dempsey could actually it could be extended, um, uh, multiple games considering he's had a history of this kind of stuff. He also confronted the player after he got after the, red the game. Card. Yeah. I'm not sure if he was clapping the player or the referee. I think the referee. You know, I I want to think that the right thing will be done, but. I don't know the, 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 when Jax Harrison's red card got rescinded. I, I don't know. I I, did, I thought that was a red card, and, but you know, the, uh, I'm a big conspiracy theorist about the big teams getting the rub of the green and that kind of I, stuff. I don't see how this could get rescinded because he swung. No, no but, but it, if Bologna deserves more than one game, for yeah. That. If Bologna, well, I, I I agree that it could. The, uh, I I'm doubtful that an additional game gets added on, but the definitely doesn't get rescinded because this is similar to Bologna's oh, no. and Bologna's in his swing. His f- kind of arm kind of gradually got to the face of yeah. that the player. This red card was a was a VAR decision as well, so there's no there's no question that it was actually a red card. Yeah, um, Th- this is Dempsey we're talking about though, so you never know with the league and star players. It's always it's always a touchy yeah, subject. He, yeah. I feel he like he rips so. up notebooks and he comes back yeah. for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. That's interesting. yeah. Um, other games, uh, uh, anything else that stuck out today? I thought the it was amazing because we're talking about the. 
the the sixth place spot, and that changed seven times during the day because people would just get in the lead, and other team would get in the lead, and it would just be changing constantly with that live standing stuff. So it was interesting there. Um, obviously, the East had nothing to play for except for uh, uh, their their spots and where they were lined up. But there was a lot of sentimental games going on. Yeah. It was uh, Patrice Bernier's last game. That, yeah, that stood out. Very touching. He scored a penalty. His parents rang the bell in Montreal. Oh, very, awesome. very yeah. nice moment. Last game at uh, at the RFK Stadium for DC United. Yeah, everything like I've never been there, but everyone seems to say it's just a like a, a stack of <laughs> stack stacks of wood that you sit on and you exactly. watch the game. But you know, lots of sentimental value. Very historic MLS stadium. So um, it was more kind of everyone was observing those games and. Keeping keeping an eye on the actual competitive nature of the of the Western Conference, um, Philadelphia beat Orlando six one. That team is going to get turned upside down in the offseason. Orlando, you well, especially with Kaka leaving. Yeah, yeah, but losing six one to to Philly, it's not not pretty. Um, yeah, uh, New York or uh, New England Revolution three Montreal two. We talked about that game. Um, Red Bulls two DC one. That was the last game in the RFK Stadium. Uh, NYCFC 2, Colorado 2, that was a very good game, but uh, we were just talking about it off mic, that New York City were not playing in their uh, home stadium, even, yeah. not even a was football it Col- stadium. Who'd they play? It, was a, it wasn't Colorado, because uh, they played Seattle. It was Columbus. Columbus. Columbus, sorry. Yeah, it's all good. C-O-L for Colorado, my bad. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and then the thing is, the, the uh, also TFC, the Atlanta game was huge. Uh, uh, Altador and Bradley got booed during the whole game because of, <laughs> of their performance for the World Cup with the U.S. team. And um, but Giovinco got the last laugh with that last goal, where he just like put it right underneath that bar. He's done that a couple of times, but it's amazing to do that in front of seventy thousand people for her. He also took, he took a swig of beer when a fan yeah. threw a, some beer when Altador scored. Yeah, yeah, that was a great moment. Um, you know, what if he laced it with something and he he was yeah. uh, that would have been funny. But that free kick was insane. Well, like, I don't think anybody expecting Giovinco when you toss your beer, you're not expecting anybody to actually um, drink it. Drink it. The worst case scenario, I think he maybe catches a cold, which would be yeah. fine with us. Too. Beers at MLS games are so expensive. Like, yeah, Giovinco just just drank five bucks of beer in that little <laughs> sip. You know. <laughs> um. Uh. So let's let's get to uh, predictions. We asked you guys to do kind of a bracket. Uh, and and see who you guys have winning the uh, MLS Cup, and I've I've included a couple of guys uh, are AFTN writers, Chris and Jay sent it. Um, we'll do Gideon, Zach, you have do Zach Zach's as well. First? Michael was the only one not able to because he was a little busy um, getting the audio and and doing his uh, uh, post game stuff, so he wasn't able to get it. But we'll we'll get it from him after the knockout stage for sure. Um, first game, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it the game. You call out what the uh, what the prediction is. Uh, first game is uh, we'll start off with Vancouver. We all said Vancouver over San yep. Jose. Yeah. Uh, Chris has Vancouver over San Jose. Jay has Vancouver over San Jose. And yeah, Van- yeah. Zach. Yeah. Okay. Next round. Uh, next game uh, in the West is uh, Kansas City and Houston. Uh, Jay has uh, Kansas City over Houston. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm getting actually getting um, uh, messages right now from uh, <laughs> Michael as well. So he has Vancouver over San Jose as well. Um, Atlanta, and he has Kansas over Houston. So just wait till the next one, Michael, before you send it in. Um, uh, Jay has Kansas City over Houston. I have Houston over Kansas City because they are playing at home. And uh, Chris has uh, Kansas City over Houston. Uh, myself, Kansas City over Houston. And then Zach has Houston over San Jose for his pick. Uh, Kansas City. Sorry, yeah. And uh, I have uh, Kansas City over Houston as well. Okay. So in the East, we have... Um, uh, Red Bulls in Chicago. Jay has Red Bulls over Chicago. 
Uh, I have Red Bulls over Chicago, and uh, Chris has Chicago over the Red Bulls. Uh, I have Chicago over the Red Bulls, and I have Atlanta beating Columbus. Zach has the same thing as me, Chicago beating New York, and Atlanta beating Columbus. Michael has sent his in Chicago over New York. And I have New York Red Bulls over Chicago. I just think New York are too crafty to to lose a one-off game like that. And Atlanta and Columbus. Uh, Michael has Atlanta over Columbus. Uh, me and Jay have Atlanta over Columbus. And But Chris, sporting the yellow and black, uh, has yes. Columbus over yellow. Good old Twitter logo. Yeah, uh, I again, I have Atlanta. So does Zach. I have Atlanta as well. They're too fun to watch. So uh, Chris was the only one with a Columbus. Um, okay, so we're going to go to the next round, this conference semifinals. The Portland one. Uh, the Portland semifinal for the West. Jay has Portland over Vancouver. I have Houston over Portland because it does rearrange uh, uh, when you uh, – it reorders the order. So because I had Houston winning the first round, Houston goes over. And um, Chris has Portland over Kansas City. Uh, myself, I have – who's it here? Uh, Portland beating – the uh, Sporting Kansas City, and Zach has Portland beating Houston. I have uh, Portland beating Sporting Kansas City as well. And then I have, in the other leg, I have Seattle beating Vancouver. And Michael has Kansas City over Portland. So uh, next round, the Seattle uh, semifinal. Seattle, uh, uh, Michael has Seattle over Vancouver. Uh, Jay has Seattle over Kansas City. And I have Vancouver over Seattle. Because of the Dempsey thing. Mm. And um, Chris has Vancouver over Seattle as well. He is part of the Optimus Union, obviously, as well. You guys? Yeah, I will say uh, Zach has Seattle over Vancouver and myself as well. Okay. and uh, Seattle over Vancouver for me. Okay. And so we go to the East. TFC semifinal. TFC over the Red Bulls for Jay. Uh, I as well have TFC. So does Michael and Chris would have Toronto over Columbus. Zach has Toronto over Atlanta and myself. I have, uh, Toronto over Atlanta as well. Toronto over New York Red Bulls for me. New York city FC, uh, and, uh, Atlanta. Well, uh, the Atlanta semifinal, we'll say, uh, Jay has Atlanta over New York city FC. I have New York city FC upsetting Atlanta. Uh, well, actually, they'll be hosting, so yeah. I don't know how much of an upset that is. Um, Chris has Chicago beating New York City FC. Hmm. And I missed out on Michael, if he can send that in again. You guys? Uh, myself, I have Chicago beating NYCFC handily, uh, just because it's Chicago over NYCFC. And Zach has Chicago NYCFC as well. Zach, if you're listening, <laughs> have the similar picks. <laughs> um, I have Atlanta over uh, New York City. And uh, um, Michael does have Atlanta over Manchester Juniors. <laughs> um, the semifinals now. Or, yeah, the MLS semifinals, the conference finals. Jay has Portland over Seattle. Um, I have Houston over Vancouver. It's going off the board a little there. And uh, Chris has Vancouver over Portland. Michael has Seattle over Kansas City. Chris is so op- op- optimistic. I know he's one of the optimistic. Yeah. Guys. You guys? 
Yeah, I'd be uh, myself Sounders over Portland just because if Sounders get uh, Jordan Morris back, hopefully uh, that's where I see them going for Mr. Zach Meisenheimer. He has Portland over the Seattle Sounders one and two seed as of right now. It'll be a great matchup if they get to the conference finals. I have the same thing: Portland over Seattle to go to the MLS Cup. And uh, Eastern Finals, TFC uh, Jay has TFC over Atlanta. I have New York City FC upsetting TFC, and. Um, Chris has Toronto over Chicago. Michael has Atlanta over TFC. Uh, I have Toronto over Chicago. Zach has Toronto over Chicago as well. And I have Toronto over Atlanta. The uh, finals, MLS finals, we're at that point now. Jay has TFC beating Portland. I have uh, New York City FC beating Houston. Chris has, I believe, oh, well, let me scroll down. Oh, uh, Michael has Atlanta beating Seattle in the MLS Cup. So wow. I think that would be the first MLS expansion, except obviously for the first year. Um, and then uh, Vancouver winning the Cup for Chris over Toronto. Michael and the South Americans of Atlanta. Uh, Zach has Toronto beating Portland 3-2 in the final. Myself, I have Toronto beating Seattle. That'd be a home game 2-1. to one. I have uh, Toronto beating Portland. I think I've had almost identical picks to Jay. Um, and I, I had to. Uh, I think it's at a three nil to Toronto in the final. Though, wow. I didn't okay. think of tiebreakers right. like that. Oh well, <laughs> I think I, I think either I win or I completely bomb out of my predictions because I went totally off the board compared to everybody else. So um, that's it for the predictions. We'll come back uh, with a little bit more stuff, uh, including a little bit of MLS news after these messages. Hi, I'm Carl Robinson. Uh, you're listening to the AFTN podcast. All right. The blue on the sea, loose and complete under sky, so smoky blue green. That's the hip with New Orleans is sinking. A couple other cities are sinking when it comes to MLS. Uh, news coming out this week that Columbus might be moving and be relocated, which is huge news. Um, we'll get back to that in a second. But you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio on 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. Now, uh, well, let's play the theme song now that we have it. Yeah, it's that time of the show. It's time for headlines on, from BC Soccer Web, brought to you by them. With all your international, national, and local news with links and a whole bunch of other stuff. So check them out. Like I said, big news coming out of Columbus. Um, This came out on, I think it was Monday or so. Mm -hmm. Right after, uh, essentially right after the Columbus played their last home game, it seemed like. Um, They waited all the way till then. And Columbus, the owner... Um, I'm, I'm failing to remember his name right Pre- now. Precourt. Precourt. Um, he is essentially kind of made a thing where he said that if they don't get a stadium downtown, they're moving and Austin would be the uh, ideal location. Now, it's kind of ironic that that's the location because that um, Austin lost their team to uh, 
I think it was uh, Orlando. Yeah, Orlando went. Uh, the Orlando Austin Aztec went to Orlando, and then basically that team became the MLS team. Uh, what we see today. So, a um, couple of news articles uh, that came over that Columbus Crew angling toward relocation in Austin. That was from the SI. That was on Monday, and then uh, Deadspin had a great article about welcome to stadium extortion racket. Um, then a couple of days later. There was an article from Biz Journal that said MLS and Crew SC have been working on Austin relocation for months, which that was surprising. That it got out so late. That's my question. That they kept it a secret, yeah. Yeah, because especially some media and MLS are just overall as a league, there's been a lot of rumors lately. And it's for me, keeping it for months is kind of strange that they would do that just because obviously it's such a big rumor. But I'm, I mean, good on them for keeping it. Uh, together here. Now, the second thing is is that uh, obviously a lot of people are upset, and it seems like it's going to happen. Like a lot, Some people have said that it's definitely going to happen. And uh, another article that came out, uh, NBC, the lo- local Columbus affiliate, said they are not going to be offering, the Columbus is not going to be offering any refunds to any people uh, that bought season tickets for next year, which I think is the reason why they waited that long to announce it uh, about that. It would be nice if they waited till the end of the season. That way, uh, the players don't have to worry about it. But Chris uh, Corrigan has kind of uh, uh, raised a flag on behalf of Vancouver supporters quite a bit. And he's going to be coming out with an article on his thoughts later on this week. Um, But your guys' thoughts on that and and relocation, while it's not, uh, a lot of people in soccer don't, it happens a lot in other sports. Um, uh, We just saw it in the NFL. Um, I used to follow basketball, the NBA. They moved my team, Seattle Sonics, over to Oklahoma City. And basically, my season in NBA ends when Oklahoma City gets eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> then I celebrate. That's my basically my final every time when they get eliminated. <laughs> what are your guys' thoughts on relocation? And it, it doesn't happen in – well, it happened in Wimbledon in, in, in England, but it doesn't happen too often. Yeah. Um, if you meant the, – the Wimbledon thing is a very good parallel to draw because – that is such a sore point for for uh, the AFC Wimbledon fans, the 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 club that kind of grew out of the the ashes of of when uh, Wimbledon FC moved to uh, Milton Keynes, and like they actually uh, AFC Wimbledon, so the fan the fan club um, rose through the divisions, and now they're actually in the same division after after a long time, and. AFC Wimbledon fans won't even go to the MK Don Stadium. Like they, it's such a sore point. They don't. They won't even acknowledge the fact that they exist. It's it's a very bitter kind of a situation that they have there. And uh, you know, I've been following this pretty closely online. The Columbus Crew relocation thing, and the Columbus fans are they're distraught. That's the only way to describe it. And if we, if you put if you try and try and be in their shoes, like imagine if the Whitecaps were going to move somewhere. Like imagine how how horrible that would be the mls are a our original mls club as well they've been playing for 21 years in the mls you know um stories of like three generations of people from columbus being season ticket holders and things like that the business side of things have not worked out but you know people are trying to point fingers here and whose fault is it if the club didn't succeed business-wide business-wise it's the owner's fault it's Usually. the league's fault and, and who they hired and everything and, and the people that are suffering because of their mistakes are the fans that doesn't add up to me and there's no there's no accountability being held to the right people um i i i really it makes me very angry when just to see how how sad the fans are and the timing of all this like Gideon was saying is very suspect you know the the time to release this news they can't they can't uh 
return their season tickets. Um, the fact that like some it's been it's been a uh, uh, it's been news for a while, but it's only got released at this time, right before the playoffs. Like that's really weird. Yeah, especially yeah. with yeah. their team in the playoffs as well. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, is um, I, I talked about uh, like uh, the the owner. He 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 basically bought this team. It's a lot of people are saying that he bought this team to relocate it. Anyways, like he had no intention of Columbus. Um, ever the team ever remaining in Columbus and that was the same thing with uh, another NBA team the Vancouver Grizzlies who played locally here when uh, Michael Isley bought that team I think it was Michael Isley it could be somebody else um, I might have that name wrong when he bought the team he essentially bought it to move it and he had no intention of keeping it here and in some of his decisions to prove that it's just a, it's a sad state of affairs um, when this happens and it's I think it's got a lot to do with MLS uh, there's so many team uh, cities out there that want MLS teams and there's they can't go up maybe they don't want to go up to 32 teams because it's not feasible so they're going to relocate some of these teams that aren't doing well they folded Chivas a f- few years ago and that and now then they brought out LAFC so maybe that's um, same kind of thing same kind of thing except they stayed in the same city at least yeah there. And different gonna, ownership though so. yeah. It could um, be it could be a bypass for the expansion fee thing as well, right? Like, yeah. Well, they might they might charge them a relocation fee. That that that's, those that's kind of true. things happen yeah. too. Um, and and then obviously there was a a, a tweet uh, on the internet. Glass City FC uh, tweeted out that he has got news that um, there's potential sale for the Whitecaps. Like a lot of people started then you know making jokes. Oh, are they moving, relocating to Memphis because that's where the Grizzlies went? <laughs> um, I I. I, I I, honestly, even if it's a sale, uh, I don't see them moving at all. I think no. I think MLS sees Vancouver as a strong, oh, yeah. solid base for the teams, uh, for the for the league itself. And it, remember, there's uh, Kerfoot owns. I think he maybe probably owns fifty one percent. There's other owners, so those other there might be some one of those selling. That could be as small as like a Steve Nash who maybe owns like less than five percent, or it could be a Jeff Mallet who's looking to sell, or maybe it is Kerfoot. But I don't see them moving. Remember Aquilini, Francisco Aquilini, who owns the Canucks, is interested in buying, has expressed interest in buying the Lions or rumored to express interest in buying Lions. And it could be maybe he wants to buy the Whitecaps. Maybe he'll buy BC Place as well. Who knows? <laughs> um, so I, it'd be interesting to see. What are you guys' thoughts on, on when you heard those rumors and what were the first things that came to your mind? Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't like to dis- disagree with people or go against what they say, but I don't, I don't believe that just because we know that uh, Vancouver's been in this league for six years. They haven't found much success past the playoffs, or I should say in the playoffs. Um, no, for me, it's a tough one to believe Joe and Steve just because of the fact that it's such a, a stronghold in the city. Every other team in MLS, you, it's hard to argue that there's a bad fan base and bad support system because everyone there's at least two support, supporters groups rather for every team in this league. And for the, for the league to just, or a rumor like that to come out, I just don't believe it just because Vancouver obviously is one of the the best supporting groups in in MLS as well, and throughout the tough times. Um, you, 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 were you scared? Were you sweating? Well, you the, ti- the timing <laughs> did make me did scare me a little bit because you know, following the Columbus stories and seeing the hurt that those fans were feeling, naturally you kind of transfer that over to yourself. But um, it was a good point you made, actually, Steve, that we don't know who, which owner is the potential rumored seller. We're working off a tweet right now, so you know, it's not it's not the most credible yeah. source of information. Um, but you know, if this story does become become news, I'm sure it'll be a long, drawn out process that that we'll be following very closely when it happens. Um, a couple other things that uh, dropped this week, um, and we'll we'll get to the main ones that we're going to talk about. But for now, um, 
earlier this week, domestic abuse charges were dropped against Will Johnson. I think this was more of uh, the the couple, the uh, the two kind of getting together and maybe thinking that this was best. From the beginning, it sounded like it was a serious issue. Um, I think it still, it probably did happen, but I think they've kind of got to an agreement where the wife has dropped charges. She said she didn't want to prosecute, which is a shame because if somebody does something, you the, and we've heard a lot of stuff in the film industry this this week and the past couple of weeks, you got to, people need to be held accountable for these things if, if it is true. Yeah, I mean, I hate to draw comparisons, but like it's the same thing with Shane and Williams. And, you know, for, for Will Johnson, it's another story at Orlando Players that, Get in trouble with the with the police as well after the Kyle Aaron incident. So he does have to do a twenty six week counseling program yeah. with Johnson. So that's uh, there's o- some there's some, there's some accountability there. Yeah. And who knows if he gets signed by somebody next week? Maybe he's yeah. he's not he's definitely not coming back to Orlando. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the story about uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I don't really want to hurt uh, mispronounce his name, but Chiral Huda, the Indonesian goalkeeper who died after a collision with his teammate. I don't know if you guys saw the video. Um, it, it looked very inconspicuous. It was similar to um, uh, when uh, Kudo uh, from last year who, who, who banged into the keeper. And, but this one, um, yeah, they took him right off the pitch, but it was uh, the impact basically, and, and he died of cardiac arrest. So it was a tragic story there. Um, a story that gets close to uh, Joe's home. Um, uh, we talked about uh, Cork FC and how they were going to clinch that title. And then Storm Ophelia, I think they call it. I don't think it got upgraded, right, to no. a hurricane? Or? Well, in, in Ireland, we make everything dramatic, so it, it was the end of the world. Right yeah, there. but it, it did knock out their stands there, yeah, and they the, had to delay uh, the game. Yeah, Turner's Cross Stadium is it's kind of an old, older, small stadium. And uh, the main stand there, the, the building, the roof fell onto the seating, actually, during the storm. They had already delayed the game from... I think it was Monday to to Tuesday earlier in the day for some reason, and they couldn't put any fans in that stand, the main stand. So um, they they had, there was a lot of frantic kind of trying to buy tickets and not allowing people in. But they eventually they did get the result they needed to secure the, their league title. Um, I think it's only their third league title in the club's history. Fantastic um, achievement for them. After they've had a lot of financial troubles in the past the club folded a few years ago um famous story that they couldn't pay the bus driver to bring them to an away game in dublin and things like that um so great moment for the team like a fantastic um shining light in the community everything's volunteer based um we had a our striker from the who plays in the irish league got called up to the national team which never happens because all the good players go to england and he he got sold i think to ipswich um so great development for the local uh soccer community in cork um, uh, another article here, uh, FIFA has kind of, uh, uh confirmed the, the highest ranked teams that are going to go into pool, the top pool, uh, for when they, they pull the balls out and they decide how they see the games The this, the seven teams, uh, not including Russia, cause they automatically get into that pool is Brazil, Portugal, Argentina, Belgium, Poland, hmm. and then the seventh team is France, who edged out Spain. So Spain won't be in that top pool this time. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on those seven uh, seven teams? Poland, I think, was a surprise that they are so high. I, I, for me. for me, I don't think so. I've been watching Poland play throughout the qualification. They are a very good-looking team. Yeah. Lewandowski getting up there in age, but give full credit to them. They're, they're a good team. Not the best defense in the world, but they can definitely cause some problems there. And they, I, th- I think, for me, they deserve to be top seven. Some good players that you wouldn't necessarily um, – 
think are headliners like um, uh, Glick, who plays for Monaco. Yeah. Um, Sh- I think Chesney's still their starter, but they still they have they have depth in goalkeeper as well. Oh, yeah. And Lewandowski, one of the best strikers in the world, you, you, you can't go wrong with. Like he's the captain of the team, I believe as well. Yes. And uh, yeah. Led qualification and goals as well. So. Yes. Now, an uh, uh, article from uh, the Midfield Press: NASL owners to help fund several NPSL teams participation in the 2018 season. Now, this is uh, this is a very long article, and it's got a lot of ifs and buts and whens. Um, this all depend on uh, the litigation that happens between uh, U.S. Soccer and NASL. But if they're able to get the Division Two, NASL is looking to. Um, help some of those lower league teams be part of their league. Um, and then uh, they would essentially um, allow them to uh, be Division Two with them. And um, so that would be interesting. Now, if they don't, there's a there's also a, another option. If they don't get uh, certification, there's a NISA, which is a National Independent Soccer Association. And that's going to be like because they're brand new, they don't need uh, certification or something like that. I, I again, I'm not 100 percent sure. You should definitely check out BC Soccer Web for that <laughs> article um, if you're interested. Uh, and then the, the NASL teams will go to that league and play in that league so they can survive for next year and see what goes on going forward. Yeah, I think for me this Div Two thing it, it kind of defeats the purpose of the USL, but um, it's just tough for me because it's USL and NASL. I like the way it is right now. Uh, obviously, NASL kind of coming to an end after kind of bringing it back in with now with, I believe, eight teams, if I'm not mistaken. So um, I think Ottawa Fury did a good job to drop down to USL this season. Uh, they made the right choice, and it's just going to be tough for NASL to, to find anything. And I think if these rumors are true, it could be very interesting the way USL plays out. In the There's Still Extra Time episode, that um, I think the last one where, where we listened to the conference call from the uh, NASL owners to uh, when they when they presented that lawsuit. Yeah, the um, one where we were falling asleep. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> where, where actually they started like the journalists and the people in the conference call were getting angry at, at yeah. each other towards the end. It was yeah. actually very funny. But um, th- the big thing that they were talking about was f- like they wouldn't be able to f- survive financially if they didn't get their Division Two status retained or temporarily restored. Um, and now they're going to fund something else. You know? Yeah, like, it's weird. It's very kind of. Sh- like doesn't doesn't seem to be clear information out there. Um, our, our last article we're going to look at uh, FIFA to look into changing nationality rules. Now, um, uh, Victor Montagliani is I- involved in this. Um, he's part of the committee that deals uh, with these rules. Um, a lot of teams are they're essentially looking for players that can. Essentially, if a player plays for a couple games with a national team, I'll use an example. Like, for example, um, a former Whitecap, Alain Rochat. He played one game for Switzerland, and then essentially he never played again. And because he played that one game, he was not going to be allowed to play uh, for Canada. With these new rules, what it would be like, uh, because he has um, a passport for Canada, or he could get a passport for Canada because he was born here, he was essentially be able to kind of switch to Canada because he, the Switzerland would say that we have no, uh, we're not looking at uh, bringing him back into the national team setup. So it's kind of like that, giving people a second chance to play internationally if they get capped so early and never, never cap again. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. Um, like you see young players come through and uh, like not not able to establish themselves in a big footballing country, but if they do have legitimate ties to a smaller country there's president for this last year when kosovo made a team um 
a lot of players who had played for other countries had to do a special application to FIFA in order to gain uh, eligibility for the Kosovan national team. So there's, you know, it's not it's not unheard of this kind of thing. I was just going to say one player that you could kind of have the same thought process on is Marco Bustos. Um, I don't, th- I can't remember. I think he's appeared in a couple of friendlies for Canada. But again, it'd be the same thing with him in Chile. I know he wants to switch over, but it, uh, that's where the rule would come in place as well. In in Ireland, half the players aren't actually Irish. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like all the best Irish World Cups have been when English players who have uh, an, uh, an Irish an Irish grandmother yeah. they have come to play for like legends of the Irish game, and you, they don't let them do interviews because their British accent is so heavy, and it will just like it would awake everyone to the fact that half these players aren't actually Irish. Even the team now, there's a couple. That are actually English. Now, another so. part of this uh, article too, it has um, a, kind of a compensation for na- nations that develop players, uh, play in their new national youth program, and then switch over. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, like if you're if a player is like you know been playing um, with the U seventeens, U eighteens, U twenties, and then they decide to switch over because that uh, that nation developed them. Um, mm-hmm. that the country they switch over might have to pay a fee. Maybe it would probably be a flat fee. There's not going to be like a negotiation or anything yeah. like that. It'd probably be just a flat fee to cover some of the costs of developing that player. Yeah, it'd be kind of like the same thing with Davies for for him to switch to, I don't know, say theoretically like, I don't know, USA or something. The U.S. Didn't, ju- just wouldn't want to get the player for, for free. The US, Canada would want to get something. Uh, it might be that, like half so. a million or yeah, a million exactly, or something right? like that. If so it, they, if, and it, might, and it might actually stop uh, teams from poaching players if they feel – if they're not sure about that player as well. Is there a danger of like they're becoming uh, – like you hoard young talent and just by paying like neighboring countries? Like for example – Canada would be a big example because, like, if Canada was developing good young Canadian players, and if this rule did exist, the states could kind of poach them in some way. Well, pay, remember, pay you still need feet. a connection to yes, that. Yes. You still need a connection to go to that nation. As people would do with nationality, yeah. this will probably affect. So, those are the headlines. Uh, again, brought to you by BC Soccer Web. Um, check them all for your international, national, and local news. Um, and they also have links, obviously. So, next. We're we're almost close to the end, but be, even though Michael's not here, we still have wavelength. So we'll play that wavelength. Michael has um, some song for sure. Um, we did. Uh, he did mention there is um, profanity in uh, this song, so uh, you're forewarned. Um, Cover your ears, Chris. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll play that. He's got an introduction to it, and then uh, we'll come back and finish up the show. Yes, now it's time for our wavelength section of the show. Even though I'm not there in Vancouver just now, I'm going to bring you our wavelength section this week. And for this week, we're going back to Wales's premier rappers, Goldie Luke and Chain, and a song from 2011, I Wish I Could Be a Footballer. And the song is kind of loosely based on Skilo's 1995 song, I Wish I Was a Little Bit Taller. This is just talking about that old thing in football where, you know, you could have been a footballer if it wasn't for the drinking drugs. That's the the story of Goldie looking chain. Now, we'll give you a warning now. This song is not suitable for work. It does contain swearing. It does contain a lot of swearing. And I think after the way that the, the Whitecaps played today, swearing's fine. And the way that they played today, last week, and the last five games, really, I think the chorus kind of sums that up perfectly. This is Goldie looking chain. I wish I could have been a footballer.
I wish I could play football every day Be in a cup final when it comes round in May But my coach is making me abstain Cause apparently you can't smoke splits when you train But if I was taller, like six foot two And I could kick a football like Gerard or Rue I could get a game for Rovers or City And crumble at the fence like a chocolate McVitty If I could play football I'd have my own wag A trophy wife with a Louis Vuitton handbag I can shoot a can at the band door There's gotta be another way that I can score I wish I could have been a footballer I probably know supermodel and I'm Caller. I wish I could have been a footballer, but I fucked it up, I fucked it up. Football player, I'll be Premier League But I can't get a bed with my chronic fatigue Dribbling's no problem, but I need a zimmer To play a game and score a last-minute winner Deltonian guy, get the haircut Highlights, aftershave, but I still got a gut I thought it'd be good having two left feet And I'm lucky in the morning, but I kept a clean sheet Make me an offer, give me a transfer Wanna do a Chris Badford like Gary Lineker Get a posh bird, go in a long magazine But I got a drink problem and I love nicotine If I could get noticed by a scout Fit birds fast, cast is what I'm talking about. I watch the match in a pub on a Saturday Cause I'm not invited to the panel play for one day I could run down the wing instead of Ryan kicks, But I can't see straight from the booze in the six I used to have skills and I can move like lightning But now I spend my days drinking and fighting Lost cause solution It went season by season, it went year by year It went straight down the shitter when he got on the beer You know it wasn't for the money and it wasn't for the fame Before he was a piss and he was good at the game I wish I could have been a footballer. I probably know a supermodel, another caller. I wish I could have been a footballer, but I fucked it up. I fucked it up. Could have made it big. I had all the skills, but I never went to training. Too busy taking pills. This is easy for me to do a back heel as a slam dunk is for my man Shaquille. I could have been a hero, could have made the back page. I've always had problems controlling my rage. I can tackle like a dribble, take it up the middle, but I wasn't prepared to be playing second fiddle. Would have won the World Cup, would have won a World FIFA, but I had a little problem. They call it the reefer. It got to a point where I gave up the game, and I'll watch my stand, but it just ain't the same. I wish I could have been a footballer. I probably know a supermodel, and I could call her. I wish I could have been a footballer, but I fucked it up. I fucked it up. I wish I could have been a footballer. I probably know a supermodel, and I could call her. I wish I could have been a footballer, but I fucked it up. I fucked it up. I wish I could have been a footballer, but I fucked it up. I fucked it up. Goldie looking chain there with I wish I could have been a footballer. Any song that mentions Chocolate McVitie is a winner for me. Anyway, back to Steve. Thanks, Michael. And I'm glad he outroed that because I didn't want to really talk about that song afterwards. So uh, that's another episode. First of all, I uh, want to thank Michael. You can see him online at AFTN on Twitter. And obviously ca- uh, find all his articles and all our articles on AFTN Canada. A- sorry, AFTN.ca. Um, Gideon, where can we find you? At Gideon Hill 18 on Twitter and as well on the Instagram at Gideon underscore Hill. And you can get me on Twitter at Cheesy underscore DZ. It's Cheesy with a Z. And uh, yeah, I also write for AFTN. And you can, I forgot to thank Zach Meisenheim who uh, met us, uh, joined us for the second segment. You can find him on Twitter at Zachary AM. And obviously he's part of the Movement Curva Collective. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And we're possibly going to have a show uh, after 
the San Jose game. It's a possibility, uh, not set in stone. So um, if it does happen, it'll probably be Thursday night, Friday morning. We'll probably preview, uh, uh, some, uh, look back on the game and maybe look forward to what's going on. And obviously, we will be coming back next week at 11 o'clock on 101.9 CITR. So, uh, and we look forward to you joining us next week. So in the meantime, and in between time, that's another episode of theirs of the AFTN Soccer Show. See you next week. Have a good night. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Yeah, but-